0: You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News.
1: Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's the month of October 2020, and it's time for your Ask the Expert segment. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us this month is Chris Vermulen. Many of you might be familiar with Chris. Eric mentions him often during our weekly wrap-up segments, and I know it. he's one of Eric's favorite strategists and technical analysts. Chris is actually the chief market strategist at a website called thetechnicaltraders.com. And we've got a whole list of questions that have been sent in for Chris this month that I look forward to laying on. But for now, Chris, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Craig.
1: It is our pleasure, no doubt about it. And again, hey, before we get started, for all of our listeners out there, uh, you can always catch the weekly wrap-up segments, you can also catch these Ask the Expert segments on all of your favorite audio and video channels like YouTube, SoundCloud. You can find it at Twitter, Facebook, whichever channel you prefer. Please be sure to subscribe and also give us a like if it's something uh, that you enjoy. Chris, I, I've got, like I said, a, a list of questions for you. I actually have seven of them. But before we get started, would you please just take a second and introduce yourself. Tell everybody a little bit about your background and a little bit about the technical
0: traders. Sure. Yeah, well, I got involved in the markets in 1997. And uh, that was during a raging bull market. And I learned to buy every dip and trade with fundamentals. And eventually, I learned the hard way after the 2000 market top that fundamentals wasn't really the best way to trade because it seems like winning stocks would be falling, even though they were earning and growing. Uh, So I flipped my analysis to technical analysis. And so now I strictly follow price. I'm 100 percent technical based. I follow price. And that's really the only way all of us as traders and investors make money is if price moves in our favor. So why follow anything else but price? And so I follow it very closely. I cover all the major indexes, commodities and hot st- sectors, whichever's moving at the time. And um, with my my trading newsletter, I offer a video every morning to subscribers where I walk through the charts that happened yesterday, what's happened in overnight trading and pre-market today, and then you get the video before the opening bell, so you're per- fully prepared for what kind of chaos is going to happen for that day, how it'll affect any of our positions, and, and why. Very educational videos. You'll learn a lot. And I share the trades that we do. My um, focus on ETFs, and uh, with subscribers, really educational um very um uh, kind of solid foundation just based off analysis on price and it really whittles out all the noise of you know who's going to be elected and stimulus and news and covid really if you follow price price usually gives you some insight as to if there's good or bad things coming around the corner
1: and all of this information can be found at the website including uh, subscription costs and the like
0: yeah, everything's there. We got a free newsletter. If you go to the top menu bar, free research every day. We put out some really interesting analysis today. We put something out on on Netflix and Snapchat. There's an opportunity right there. They're coming out with earnings tonight. So pretty exciting stuff. And again, at thetechnicaltraders.com, correct? Yeah. Well, all right,
1: my friend, let's just dive in. Like I said, we've been collecting questions for you over the last couple of weeks. As always, folks can use The email address submissions at SprottMoney.com for questions for our guest or for weekly questions to Eric and the weekly wrap-up. Question number one, I know this is something that I've been complaining. Really, really, that's what I've been doing. I've been complaining about now for the last couple of months. And that is this all of a sudden one-to-one correlation between the dollar index and the price of COMEX Gold, almost driven by algos it seems. If uh, if that continues, it becomes important to know where the dollar index is going. And so, question number one is: What is
0: your current forecast for the U.S. dollar index? Hmm. Well, I mean, really, in September, August, September, I think the dollar put in what looks to be a bottom. It has a very kind of signature bottoming formation, and then we saw recently in the last month and a half, we saw a nice rally bringing it to some kind of multi-week highs or multi-month highs. And now it's been flagging out in a bullish pattern. To me, it looks like the dollar is bottomed. And I I have a feeling it's going to start to rally. And I think the markets could be in for quite a little bit of a stir. There was somebody speaking on the media today talking about how in the next 10 days, the way COVID is ramping up uh, around the globe, that it's going to start to reach some extreme critical levels in about 10 days. And that is that's that to me really kind of, Got me nervous because it gave me that gut feeling, like when we saw COVID spiking um, for the first time, and we had no idea what this, you know, disease virus was. And so the dollar, when when all that happened last time, the dollar rallied about twelve percent. And now I look at the dollar; it's put in a bottoming formation. It looks primed and ready. I feel like there, if there is this wave of COVID, I think it's going to wreak havoc and fear. People are going to liquidate positions. We're going to see the dollar become the safe haven. As everyone can't, sells everything they own, they're going to move to cash. They're going to go to the most stable currency that they believe is stable. And that still is the U.S. dollar, I think. And we're going to see it rally. So I'm looking at higher prices for the dollar over the next one to two months.
1: That kind of uh, similar to what happened in late February, early March. Uh, does that concern you? Because that wasn't a real good time for any assets, including gold.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I am... I'm not feeling the greatest about gold and silver short term. I think they're going to get pulled down. Unfortunately, when we have fear in the market, in the stock market, and we see selling, almost every time we've seen it over the last couple of months, gold, silver, and miners have pulled down just as much, if not more, than the stock index. Now, as soon as that panic selling leaves the market by midday, those those commodities and the miners actually rebound very well. They are seen as a as kind of like a defensive safe haven play, but they are not immune to panic selling, and that's what I'm worried we're going to see looking forward here in the next month or so. We could have another wave of panic selling, and it could prematurely or, or kind of pull the metals and miners down short term. Um, I think it'll be an opportunity for the metals and miners, but I do think they could be under some pressure that you got to be aware of. Okay. Let's move on to question number two. It's kind of a two-pronged question.
1: Uh, one, it seems uh, to this person, and obviously to just about everybody, that COMEX Gold and COMEX Silver prices are very closely correlated, even though they're really not the same type of metal, right? I mean, you've got a monetary metal and an industrial metal, but yet they move uh, a very close, almost like a 99% correlation. So that's part number one. Part number two is, then, in forecasting PM prices, do you ever, uh, or do you simply take into account the gold-silver ratio as part of where you think things are going?
0: Um, I, I look—I look at gold mostly as an insurance plan. I don't really mm-hmm. compare the COMEX price with the the futures contract. I mean, they, they they track so closely. I don't really even really think about it. I just follow gold futures because. That's what's going to be moving the ETFs uh, and the other plays in my mind most of the time. So that's what I think of between those two prices. Just I stick with the futures because that's what's traded. And um, it, it directly affects more or less the GLD ETF, which is one of the ones that we trade um, in terms of what was the second question How about there? the gold silver ratio uh, does right. that factor in much. Yeah, I, I I do look at it. I don't factor it into my my trades. It doesn't have it doesn't really give me any insight into which what what to trade, like when to trade. Obviously, um, I have to wait for price to break out. If gold breaks out first, which it did in a bull market last year, I mean you got to take you got to take the leader, right? Uh, so gold broke out over a year ago, well over a year ago. Silver didn't break out till just really only a few months ago along with gold miners. So you really do have to follow the money, but obviously when silver breaks out, especially with the gold silver ratio the way it was, gold or silver really needed to rally to catch up or gold had to decline, but I don't I didn't really see that happening. So when silver breaks out, that's definitely one you want to get on because it's like a little silver rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> and of course when it did break, I mean, we saw a huge short covering and the the price just ripped to the upside. So it's nice to, to watch it and get an idea if silver's way undervalued because when it does have a breakout, you definitely want to maybe move some money from gold or even potentially miners over to silver because it could have that explosive move and silver likes to move that way. It's dormant, tough to time but then when it breaks out it just runs and runs and runs and you got to be on it like really quick
1: yeah yeah good point okay question number three uh gets to cryptocurrencies what about bitcoin and can technical analysis be helpful in evaluating cryptocurrencies
0: so i have followed bitcoin um a little bit i am not big into to cryptos i mean i can't really speak on it because Uh, I only own a little bit just because I wanted to own a little bit, but I don't really follow it and trade it. I do have it on my chart. I do talk about it occasionally with subscribers. Uh, If we do break above the high from back in August, I I think we're going right back up to about 14,000 very quickly. Uh, But overall, uh, technicals on it, they work. But Bitcoin moves in really awkward ways, a lot like natural gas and silver, actually, where it just pops and gaps and moves like instantly. And if you're not already in the position, you're you're pretty much paying a huge premium to chase it. And uh, it's all over the place. I'm not a big fan of it because of that. And um, it just carries a lot more risk. But I mean, looking at Bitcoin as potentially a long term investment, I think you need to own some. That's why I bought some. I'm just going to own it in case for some reason it goes like absolutely nuts again. And we see 20,000 or we see even higher. But uh, it's not my thing. I, I I don't really consider owning very much of it at all. Just interesting to have some and hope it it goes extremely high someday.
1: <laughs> right. That's about how I feel too. Okay, uh, question number four, Chris. What do you think is ahead for the mining shares? And are the GDX and the GDXJ good proxies? Uh, for tre- uh, technical analysis purposes,
0: yeah, I, I like them. I like them a lot. I think uh, GDX, GDXJ. I mean, Sprott's got its its uh, its ETF miners as well, which I talked with Rick, Rick Rule about. And I really like the way how Sprott actually does their their minor ETFs, where I think GDXJ owns a whole bunch of GDX. I mean, you're really just they're almost the same to some extent. Whereas uh, the Sprott one. They actually go out and and spread the money out between all kinds of new companies that are potential takeovers. They're not just going out and buying other ETFs. So um, all of them more or less move the same in general. When the precious metals sector is up, they're all up. I like all three of them. They're very tradable. You can use technical analysis on them. They all have a massive bull flag right now, which points to much higher prices. If they get traction and break out here, which they're on the verge of starting another run, the GDXJ uh, actually has the upside potential for a maximum run of about 62% to the upside. Now, Mm -hmm. it would take a a pretty good miracle for that to happen. If COVID hits, they're going to get pulled down with the panic selling. But say after the COVID hits or say it doesn't hit, I think they're going to become a leader. They're actually one of the best looking sectors out of all the sectors I'm following right now that point to the next biggest moving kind of area. So I really like them, but we really need to see GDXJ get more or less over $60 uh, a share. And then I think it could be off to the races and we'll have started a new run, but it's not there yet. I wouldn't jump the gun because it is somewhat in a downtrend. It's making lower highs, lower lows, and it's starting to sell off a little bit here. So for all we know, it could still continue to go lower before it breaks out. So you got to wait. And um, when it does break, I think it's something to jump on. All right, my friend, we are more than
1: halfway done. So question number five gets back to uh, technical analysis again. I mean, here, here just now we were talking about, you know, catching trend changes, you know, trying to find a bottom, that sort of thing. What is your favorite technical indicator in spotting a change in trend? Could that be a moving average, you know, MACD line, something like that?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a combination. Like I, I like to use uh, moving averages. I find the 20-day, it depends on the time frame you want to trade. So when I look at a chart, I usually put the 5-day moving average on, and I put the 20-day. And if price is above the 5-day and the 20-day moving average is is sloping up, Typically I'm I'm looking to buy stuff when intraday when it hits the five day moving average. A lot of times when you're in a strong trend, price always stays above that five day moving average. So those are short-term buying points. If price gets below the five day and, and the twenty days moving lower, every time it bounces up to the five day moving average, it's a good point to exit your position or get into a, a net short position. Um, for example, okay, and then we. I also like Bollinger Bands. So you take those moving averages, and I like Bollinger Bands. More or less, we had a really simple setup yesterday where the SP500 sold down below uh, an extreme Bollinger Band to the downside intraday. And it signaled, hey, we've got a, a, a one- to three-day rally that, it, that should trigger. And so, for example, I actually bought an option yesterday morning. I sold it about an hour and a half ago for a quick 55% gain. But it was simply because price was trending up. We had oversold condition in the market. And then today – it bounced up the SP500 and got right to the five-day moving average, and then I closed out the position. And since then, it's been pulling back a little bit. Hmm. So it's great for short-term trading, great for swing trading. You want to buy at the five. You want to buy at the 20-day. And you know if you can throw Bollinger Bands on there with a you know 1.5 kind of standard deviation as kind of the extreme, if it goes to one of those extremes, you want to pull money off if it hits the upper band. You can redeploy it when it comes back down and hits the lower band. Very basic uh, strategy, but it will really help you stay on the right side of the market and buy at a discount, sell when it's a little overvalued. Um, So I, I really like those. Very simple, and I have it on every chart.
1: Is there something from a trend change perspective, though? Do you look at, like, RSI, you know, if something gets below 30? I mean, is there a favorite that you like there?
0: Not so much. I like to look at price action. So typically I'll look back on the chart and I'll say, okay, if it breaks a previous um, high in the chart, uh, I usually want it to break two previous highs. And they need to be, like, kind of standout highs. It can't just be um, an intraday move. It's got to be two previous standout highs. And once it's broken two previous highs, I, then I know, OK, it's cleared one as resistance. And now it's cleared a second one. So it obviously has momentum. And then I look for a pause and a pullback. It's actually what GDXJ is doing right now. GDXJ on the 30-minute chart, uh, looking back about a month, it has rallied up. It's it, The trend is has more or less turned up. And yesterday and early this morning, it actually dipped into an oversold territory And that is this is a potentially if they if it gets traction, it's going to start to run and break out over the next couple of days. Um, But it hasn't broken above the previous daily chart high, Mm -hmm. which is around 60. And that to me is a really important line in the sand. If it can close and hold above 60 dollars a share, that'll be a really good uh, opportunity, I think, to the upside. So I don't really use the stochastics or anything like that too much or RSI. I mean, a lot of people see those differently. So, for example, if the RSI gets above, um, say, 70 or 80, most people think the market's overbought. The way I've always seen RSI is once it gets above 70 or 80 in that upper upper zone, to me, that's like the power zone. It's leading the way. It's a leader. It has lots of momentum. You want to jump on it and, and ride it higher. And same when, when it's in the lower band. You get the biggest drops when it's actually in the lower band. And this is where a lot of people come into major problems is, They they sell when it's in the upper band and then it keeps on going without them or they buy when it's oversold and it just keeps falling and falling and falling. And and so I I look at it very differently uh, that way. And uh, it makes a huge difference when you flip your point of view on it and actually buy into strength and and uh, and sell into the weakness.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, just two questions to go. And you may have perhaps given us a clue on this uh, sixth question with your previous answer. But right now, here on October 20th, uh, what market or sectors uh, look most attractive to you as we speak?
0: All right. So uh, the the gold miners look the most exciting. They haven't broke yet, but they look primed and ready for a big, big move. And this, to me, feels like the time where gold miners could really take the lead and shine going into uh, the holiday season. it just Everything feels like it. It feels like we're in that type of economic condition, the the time in the stock market cycle. I mean, they they have done very well this year. They've taken a breather. Tech's taken the lead and other things, but I think they're about to, to run. So I really like the gold miners. Uh, the other ones are um, the solar clean energy, like TAN, T-A-N, mm-hmm. is the ETF. I mean, it's up over... 240 percent from the March lows um, the clean solar or the clean energy ETF um, which is another one PBW is up over 200 they both have bull flags they both still look really strong and uh, they just keep moving up like every day even when the stock market is down these things are still closing up one or two percent each day the, the money flowing into the clean energy is huge uh, the the weird thing is the flip side of that story, is XLE, the energy and like the oil holders. I mean, they're the worst performing sectors for the year. It's funny how clean energy is the best sector. Dirty energy is the worst. Hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, so I like the tan. The other one that is kind of a sleeper, I think, is the utility sector, XLU. It's uh, really come to life in the last month. It's kind of leading the way. It's got a really nice bull flag, a lot like – The uh, TAN ETF, it looks primed and ready for another run. And the last time we saw this sector do this was in January. We saw a big run, a pause, and then another run. And then we saw the stock market crash. And utilities, to me, is the last kind of – it's like the canary in the mine. When utilities have a really strong rally and outperform like the NASDAQ and the SP500, you got to be aware that big money is getting defensive and there's probably going to be some bad news just around the corner. And mm-hmm. so we've already seen the first rally in utilities. So this falls in line with my thinking that, holy, we could be coming into this COVID, you know, 10, 20 day window where it just spikes and the markets could start to roll over in a couple of weeks. The dollar could rally. Everything pulls back. I mean, it'll be another financial reset. So I'm, I'm preparing and mentally preparing for crazy volatility and to liquidate and to kind of step aside or potentially profit from a drop. But I'm not betting against anything yet. I'm still long the stock market and um, we're looking to get long miners. And so we're following price. We're not going to try to predict and and pick tops yet. We're just going to follow the price until proven wrong. Then we can flip direction.
1: All right, my friend, one last question. And this gets right to the heart of the matter, I guess, with gold. What is your 2021 gold price target, if you have one, and does the outcome of the U.S. election factor into that forecast?
0: 2021, I think. I I think metals are, could potentially actually struggle for the next six, eight months. Uh, believe it. I think they're going to have a run. I think we're going to have a year-end run in metals and miners, uh, but after that. I think they're going to be under pressure. I think the mega super kind of cycle, the bull market in metals and miners is late next year in 2021. I think that's when it's really going to start. So I, I think we'll be lucky um, if we see 26, 2700 on, on uh, gold next year. But I think that's I think after that, like 2022 and beyond, I think that's where we really start to pick up speed that gold becomes more of a a global safe haven, because I think bonds are a major problem now. People, I think that 30, 38 year bull market in bonds is coming to an end and people are going to be wondering where to put their money. And there's going to be this shift, I think, from potentially bond money starting to move into physical assets, which would be huge. So it's going to be a real wild card, but um, I still think we're going higher um, this year for metals. There's going to be bumpy along the way, but next year, I think we're gonna be higher as well. And then beyond that longer term, I mean, we're looking at much higher prices. Sounds good to me. I would
1: imagine sounds good to most everybody listening, too. Uh, Chris, it's been fascinating and I think very helpful for everyone who has taken the time to listen. Again, we've been speaking with Chris Vermeulen, who is the chief market strategist at thetechnicaltraders.com. And before we go, I want to remind everybody to be sure to stop by sprotmoney.com on your way out. Sprott Money should be one of your first choices every single time you're out looking for physical precious metal or a place to store them. Again, check us out, SprottMoney.com, or just call us at 888-861-0775. Chris, thank you so much for your time. It's been a terrific opportunity to visit with you and, and get these updates.
0: Hey, thanks, Craig. Always a pleasure.
1: And from all of us, it's Brought Money News. It's com. Thank you for listening.
0: We'll talk to you again in November.